Hello and welcome to Head and Heart, a Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. My name is Katie and I'm here with my best friend and co-host Frankie. Hey guys. And welcome to the first episode where I am abroad in the UK. Hello everyone. It feels so good to be back. I'm loving it over here in the United Kingdom so far. I have quite the story of how I got here. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But it's it's been good. It's been chaotic, but good. So, uh, any life updates on your end, Frankie? Because I obviously have a lot. Uh, just that I was sick. So that's why my voice sounds like this. So um, excuse me if I burst out into a coughing fit because I'm still not 100% yet. But that's the only real big ch- uh, thing that happened to me within the last two weeks. So just ignore my lovely sounding voice. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I'll I'll do my best to edit out any coughing fits. I'll do my best. Yay. Katie, you get to go to the UK and I'm like I was dying. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad. No, it's it's cute. It's I'm so happy for you that you're finally doing this. Yeah, it's been amazing. So basically, I ended up getting stranded in a German airport. So that was fun for 24 hours. Um, <laughs> that was a time. Everyone's but dream. It all worked out. Yes, everyone's dream. <laughs> exactly. But it all worked out in the end. I got here safely. I'm all settled in. Um, I got here the day before the Queen's funeral because uh, the Queen died since we last recorded. That was a thing. So, uh, big world event. Uh-huh. Um, no matter, you know, how you felt about her and everything, you know, you can't deny it's a huge world event. Yes. So, yeah, that was interesting because everything was closed. So, after getting going 48 hours without sleep because I got stranded for 24 hours in the airport, I had to go out and buy food and get everything for my new flat and all that with my new flatmates because everything was going to be closed the next day. So, it was really like 50 hours without sleep. It was crazy. You finally know how I feel half the time. <laughs> Katie usually Katie usually needs her sleep, whereas I grew up with severe insomnia. So there will be a couple days a week where I just will not sleep and um have to still function throughout a day. And Katie's always like, How do you manage to do this? (laughs) So she got to see what that's like. Sheer adrenaline is the answer. Yeah, sheer adrenaline is the answer. (laughs) Sheer (laughs) adrenaline and having needing to function in a foreign country. So, yeah, yeah, uh, that's been my life, but I've made so many new friends from around the world. It's been incredible. I have flatmates from Norway. I have flatmates from Korea. I have new friends from Japan and Nigeria and Ghana and South Africa. I mean, like, it's so flipping cool. That's such a cool. Amazing people. That's such a cool cultural experience. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so many amazing accents that I've encountered, but also just like I found a new church already um, that is really similar to my home church. I've already been hanging out with them, going to free bowling night, um, stuff like that. They took us out to lunch after service on Sunday, like just so many amazing people who I've met. So yeah, it's been a blast. I've gotten to explore the city that I'm staying in a little bit. I'm not going to reveal which one, obviously. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's been quite the adventure. And I can't wait to go out and explore other countries in the UK. Explore the country that I'm in a bit more. Um, I'm going to a place that's been huge on my bucket list this weekend. I'm so excited. <laughs> So, you know, it really has been amazing, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity. But you didn't come here for all of my adventures abroad. You came here for Keeper of the Lost Cities. So, (laughs) Frankie, what are we talking about today? Well, this comes from one of our reviews. So, leave a review if you want us to cover something on the podcast, but... We yes, are we just hit over 30 reviews on the podcast with a 4.8 average. It's incredible. Giving all the shout outs. You guys are way better than the Avatar the Last Airbender fandom. They don't leave reviews apparently. <laughs> apparently, I know, right? 
No, but um, yeah. Literally, so this-, this podcast is smaller than our other podcasts. We have 32 reviews on it so far. We have a fraction of as many listens. Meanwhile, our Avatar The Last Airbender slash Zutara podcast has seven. Yeah. It's like, what the heck? The staggering amount. I know. Uh, yeah, but if you guys uh, want us to cover a topic, leave a review and let us know, because that's what this person did. And so today, we are covering the love square between Sophie, Keith, and Dex. Yes, I, and Fitz. I got everyone. Sophie, Keith, Dex, Fitz. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say you forgot Fitz. <laughs> I, I was like, that's only three names. Who did I not say? It was Fitz, of course, because for some reason we accidentally bully that child. <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, but yeah, so uh, originally the question was comparing um, Sophie and Dex's relationship with everyone else's, but we kind of spun it into a love square discussion just to go into all of it all of the relationships and how they work and develop and all of the good things i will also add that you can also dm us on instagram at kotlc podcast if you want to share your ideas and what you'd like to see in future episodes so we have an open channel of communication with our listeners in multiple ways you know, get in contact with us. Also, let us know. Would you be interested in a Discord server? Because we have one for our other podcasts, and it's super fun. So let us know if you'd like a KOTLC Discord server for the podcast. That would be super fun. Yeah, it would be a blast, I think. I think it would be a blast, and also I'll probably make it anyway, even if no one expresses interest, and if it ends up just being the two of us. And we rant on there instead of on text messaging. <laughs> Won't be any so different. Be it. but, It'll give Lexi a break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll give our friend Lexi a break, right? Because we rant about it on our group chat. Oh my goodness. So, yeah, let us know. We want to get involved with our listeners. We want to interact with you guys. We love you guys. So, and we're so grateful for all the love and supportive reviews and comments and everything that we get on the podcast. We work re- well. I work really hard on it. Yes, I mean, yeah. it's kind of hard to say. Frankie does. <laughs> I do all the editing, all the posting, all the socials, everything. Yes, but I I took that on knowing that I was interested in doing it, and I have a blast running everything. Yeah, to be perfectly honest. So I do it gladly. I adore it. It scratches that itch in your brain to like be very organized. If I was doing it. You, you'd hate it. You know, you would be texting me. Like, you didn't tag this correctly. You didn't, the <laughs> caption isn't what I would have put as the caption. Like, this scratches. Fun fact. Fun fact. I just found out. I just noticed that one of the tags that I put on the Zutara Instagram account has a typo in it. The same set of tags that I've been copying for over 300 posts. And it has a goddamn typo in it. So, and you didn't self combust? No, I did. Yeah, I freaked out. Yeah, <laughs> but I am not going back and fixing that. I quite literally do not have the time or the patience. So I'm just fixing it from here on out and calling it good. <laughs> oh my god! I can't believe I didn't get a phone call about this. Like, of you panicking. <laughs> Okay. Instead of hashtag, instead of hashtag Zootarian, it's hashtag Zootarian. <sighs> <laughs> oh no! Okay, okay. At we le- aren't. At here. least it's just a random. At least it's just a random word and not something different that will show up in the wrong tag place. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. At least it's nonsense. So, and we haven't been bugging people on this other tag. Like, this is irrelevant. Why is this tag this? Um, okay, it's been 10 yeah, minutes now. We should probably it get has. into it. <laughs> Thank you, Frankie, for keeping us on track. I'm trying. <laughs> so, oh, goodness. Another name for this might be Katie's Great Fitzfee Rant, because I'm going to rant about Fitzfee during this episode. I can yeah. guarantee you. I'll pull you back when you get too mean. And I am much more passionately anti-Fitzfee and anti-Fitz in general than you. No, I I would say you're just more vocal about I'm it. I'm more vocal about it. But 
but at the same time, at the same time, I think it depends on which one of us is reading the books at any given time. Because when I was reading the books past book six, I was so anti Fitzby it wasn't funny because that's when it starts to get awful. But yeah, I Loki want to make merch T-shirts that say "I don't care that he got stabbed by a bug." Katie, twenty twenty two. Uh, we honestly have so many quotes. There's so many quotes. We have I so many. One of mine is, I just want to see Grady kill someone. Like, I just want to see Grady rip someone's heart out, I think. I said something along those lines. Or Rihanna. Like violent psychopath. If we put this on merchandise, we better be careful. Meh. I'm okay with that. Okay. Uh, okay, as long as so, you don't like get in trouble, I'm low key okay with it as well. Not going yeah, to lie. Yeah. So should we say Fitzby for last, or do Fitzby now, or which which part of this love square? So I say save the best for last. So let's start with the simplest component. Let's start with Sophie and Dex. That's what I was thinking. Sophie and Dex first, because yeah. Because he's not really a factor. Not anymore. Equation. Yeah, no. Um, he never truly was, but Sophie shut that down real quick. Yeah, as and soon good as- for her. She did it in the kindest way too, and the fact that they're able to maintain their friendship. I mean, look, I yeah. I can't imagine what it's like getting rejected like that. Dex handled it like a champ. Sophie handled it like a champ. Like, and yeah. Dex did not make it easy on her. To, like, like no, he, he was not. being oblivious, and she had to literally spell it out for him, because she was dropping she really hints did. all over the place. She's getting a taste of her own oblivious medicine, is what that scene is. Yeah, it, it is, because, and Sophie, um, yeah, like you said, she handles it so well, because she was trying, she was trying throughout that whole scene to tell Dex no in nicer and nicer ways possible, and he just wasn't getting the message and was being so obtuse that she was finally like okay well this is going to have to be horrible and uh yeah it's one of the most awkward scenes in this series because you're just like oh no but I almost look forward to it in a weird way whenever I read the series because after it it feels like we can get to the real stuff like shutting down the square and turning it back into the what it's really been all along emotionally for Sophie, yeah. which is a triangle. Like it's a bit of a which I would relief. argue Yeah, which I would argue that Sophie thinks it's a triangle, but in reality it's just the true love aspect and just towards Keith. But to, and her, you know, teenage brain thinking, you know, crushing on Fitz and thinking she likes him or loves him, but she only really likes him in a crush sense. Um, mm-hmm. it's a triangle. So having her shut that down, it feels like we can get to the real meat, the real, you know, get over that awkwardness. And it's so much better from there on out. Yeah, now, with her and Dex. Fitz swoops in. <laughs> of course, the book after Fitz swoops in and we get all the Fitzy stuff, which is, I don't want to say hard to read. It's awkward to read. Because it doesn't work, and Shannon Messenger is clearly spelling that out and giving it a trial run, and I don't, I legitimately cannot comprehend how people can still shit Fitzby after book eight. I, I, I just don't get it. They tried it, and it didn't work. It was riddled with miscommunication, with jealousy, all these, frankly, toxic elements that can be found in bad relationships. They just don't work romantically. Meanwhile, her relationship with Keith and true romance is getting stronger and stronger. Fist is jealous of it because Sophie is spending all her time with Keith. And it's like, oh my god, Sophie, can you not see what's going on here? Like, who you truly love. It is right in front of you. Rose sees it. Everyone else sees it. Her parents see it. I mean... I'll, I'll hop to I Sophie's can. defense. I'll hop to her defense a little bit. Uh... Like, I I get it. She's going through a lot. She's had a lot of trauma. Love is... She's trying really hard to keep everything in a box so that things don't get more confusing, which I think is why she just is not 
letting herself see Keith in that light. So that's why every time the topic comes up, it gets squashed immediately. Because she's just trying to keep some semblance of, like, the same normalcy. So I yeah. won't jump to her defense yeah. there. I think that if it went on for, like, two more books, that's when it would start to get, like, an... It already is kind of annoying, but that's when it would start to be, like, ridiculous. But now... That's when it would cross the line. Yeah, but now we got the opener into book nine, the first four chapters, and um, there's a different feel around it already. We know what's going to be happening. Yeah, she's going to start to realize, which is... Or at least she's going to start to accept what she's been realizing. So to Sophie's defense... I think it's okay. You know, she's had a lot going on. I don't think she had to be thinking about Keith, like, or realizing it about Keith yet. But, yes, it's good that she finally is (laughs) letting herself realize it. And that we're going to get two whole books of development for it before they get together, I presume, at the very end. You know what I mean? Like, I'm interested to see how she does this interesting arc yeah because for all we know sophie and keith could potentially like they'll might i would bet money they have their first kiss in this book in book nine i don't think their first kiss will be in the i i feel like it's gonna there's a there's a i mean Okay, let me let me get my thoughts in order. That was a whole stumbling mess. Okay. Okay. <laughs> in, in middle grade, there's sort of a precedent set of like, and I don't know if Shannon Messenger will follow this precedent, but look at Harry Potter, look at Percy Jackson, look at Gregor. The first oh, I kiss, see where you're going with this. The first kiss happens in the book before the end book. Before so the that, last. Yes, so that then the feelings really have a chance to get going. And then there's confusion and a bit of angst before they finally get together in the last book. So I am kind of hoping. I love that format. I always have. It's always so cute and done so well, usually. So I'm kind of hoping we get a So Keith kiss at the end of book nine. If it doesn't happen, that's fine. Like, I'll get that too. But, like, there's a formula Uh, here that has worked really well. And so I'm kind of hoping she follows it. (laughs) I'm kind of hoping too, now that you say that. Because I'm thinking, like, oh, the first kiss happening when they get together. But you're absolutely right now that you say that. Yeah, and I don't know if Shannon Messenger, you know... This is the first series of her I've ever read. I don't know if she's going to follow, like, tropes from other from the genre or anything like that. And sometimes people will say that following tropes is wrong. If you're reading a genre, there's going to be tropes. Like, that's just how it is. And some are good tropes and some are bad tropes. And I personally love this trope. I think that, like, the Percibeth first kiss is iconic. Harry and Ginny, like... It's cute. So I don't know. I'm kind of hoping for it. (laughs) I honestly am too. I wouldn't be surprised if, especially if they find Keith towards the end at the climax, if Sophie's just overwhelmed with emotion and just throws her arms around him and kisses him. I don't think it'll be that, though. I don't know. I don't think it's going to take them all book to find Keith. Or I hope to God it isn't all book. Like, I hope to God that's not what this is. So I kind of hope it doesn't, too. You what? Sorry, you cut out. Oh, it's okay. I said I kind of hope it doesn't, too. Yeah. I I can see... I don't know. I can see it both ways. I can see it being, like, by the end of Act 1, we found Keith kind of a thing. But I can also see it being the climax. It depends on what route and what structure the story takes. Yeah, I just hope it's not to the end, because... I just kind of hate when that happens and the character is sidelined for an entire book, especially when, like, Keith, when he's sidelined in book six, it drives me up the wall because the dynamics don't feel as as 
there without Keith. Like, all the dynamics feel screwy, and I just don't want a whole book where I have to deal with the madness that was driving me in book six. Like, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, because even when he ran off with the never seen, Keith had a constant presence in Sophie's life through those communications. Yeah, and we get to those see mental him. Commu- telepathic conversations. So, like... <laughs> it really is like if she sidelines Keith again I think it's like honestly it might be a step too far yeah exactly like I don't want like he's been sidelined a couple times like just like that's why I really just want them to find him within like the first if this is an 800 page book which it probably will be I want them to find him at least within the first like 400 pages give me like what? You just realized something. I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you what this is if Shannon sidelines Keith again. It's freaking Rick Riordan and Blood of Olympus again. Sidelining Percy and Annabeth because they worse. were the most popular and he couldn't handle it. That was worse, but it's the same kind of a thing. It is the same kind of a thing, except I think with Shannon Messenger, it's more so she would be doing it more for the story, whereas Blood of yeah. Olympus fills me with an ungodly, no pun intended, amount of rage. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. God, uh, God of Olympus. <laughs> Blood of Olympus is at a whole other level of egregiousness. Like, do not misunderstand me. Yeah. But it's the same kind of a thing happening where Shannon sees how obsessed everyone is with Keith and how awesome he is, <laughs> this character she created is, and she feels the need to sideline him and hand him out in small doses. Like, everyone, I think Rick Riordan wanted everyone to love the new characters more in Heroes of Olympus, so after giving us all the Persebeth in House of Hades, he was like, that's it, and the finale to this new series you're not getting s-h-i-t <laughs> from them because i'm petty and i want the other characters to shine at the expense of them it's not that people didn't love the new characters either it's just that like you've been like compare them people love leo people love piper do you know how much piper and annabeth shipping there is online like are you kidding me? a lot <laughs> yeah no people love the new characters hazel like reyna yes but, but if you're comparing them to like who we want to see in a final book we've been with percy and annabeth for 10 books now 12 if you include all the side stories pretty much like give one of them a pov give one of them a pov literally The book needed to be longer. It was the fact that the other characters getting to shine came at the expense of two core members of the group that we had the biggest established relationship with as readers. Jason and Leo did not all three of them need a POV. Okay? It did they did not all three need a POV, okay? Okay, this is not this is not Blood of Olympus. Let's can we go back to Dex, please? So we so we can really delve into like Sophie and Dex and why yes. they're cute, but they wouldn't work. So first of all, um, frankly, good on Dex for scoring the first Sophie kiss because <laughs> I love when books do that. I and know, it's friend. It's Blue and Noah in uh the Raven Cycle. It's so cute because it's just like a first kiss with just friends. Yeah. It gives off the whole, like, perks of being a wallflower, like, you know, friend to friend. Like, I want your first kiss to be with someone who loves you kind of a thing. Yeah. You know? It's really, really cute. And I think handled very appropriately for the ages of the characters, for the context of the situation. Mm -hmm. You know? It perfectly captures that awkward first kiss. Not that I've experienced that yet, because, uh, yeah. But <laughs> I have, and it's awkward. <laughs> I'm going to have to experience it later in life now, because I'm 22 already, so that's fun. <sighs> no, listen, guys, I moved high schools. So I didn't get to establish a relationship with anyone. I missed out on all of those firsts, and I've been busy with college since, so I'm a little I'm, bit behind. I'm cringing okay. <laughs> thinking of mine. 
I've been cringing for like since it's oh. a thing. Nope, it is. It's so awkward. First kisses are so so awkward, and she channeled it really well. <laughs> I'll see how mine is when the day comes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll find a nice European boy while I'm over here. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. That would. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> you'd have your own little camera, and it would be great. Well, he's Irish. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Well, that's your. Well, I would, I would love for him to be Irish or Scottish, but that's that's me. <laughs> okay, and but yeah, yeah. He must be ginger. <laughs> Anyways, yes. Okay, um, Sophie and Dex. Okay, the reason why they are really cute, but a lot of people don't ship them, is because Dex is there for so for Sophie from day one. He's always been there for Sophie. They build up a really great bond. But it's always been platonic. It has always felt so painstakingly platonic from Sophie. And from Dex, it's the Sophie Fitz situation flipped with Sophie and Dex when it's Dex's crush on Sophie. It's someone that he cares about and admires but it's just a silly little crush, and it isn't love, and it's not what he thinks it is. And so, even though it's cute, and it's cute to think about, like, I know some people do ship them, and I can see why. Like, I can. Like, it's very cute. But, and they have a great bond, but they will always be extremely platonic to me. And I have never been able to see them as anything else because of how Sophie views Dex. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think initial, because like, I remember when you read um, the first book, you initially preferred Dex over Fitz in terms of shaping with Sophie because Keith wasn't really in the picture. And Mm -hmm. I think it's so realistic to life that your first isn't always your last. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, some people are super lucky and their first is their last and they get it in one shot. I'm hoping that's me. That's part of why I waited for guys around me to mature. Because yeah. I'm immature as heck. And my preference is to only ever be with one guy and get it right the first time. Now, if it doesn't happen... It's just very it rare. Happen, I'm not going to... Yeah, it's just very rare. And I'm not going to stick with someone just for that sake if they're not the right person. However, right. that is my preference. And... but. Most of the time, that's not what happens. And I think it's really no. realistic, especially in a medium of fiction where so often there is that trope of the first guy she sees or the first guy she meets in the love triangle ends up being the one she ends up with. And it's like just not true to life. So I, I like this more realistic aspect here and how she handled especially it. I like how messy it gets, age. even when it gets frustrating. Yeah. Especially at middle school slash middle grade age. I like how messy it gets. I like how uncomfortable it gets. I like how the hormones <laughs> are raging, but in an age-appropriate way. As they're developing feelings and growing and maturing. It's really well done. That's why I'm not against the fifth three arc in the books. Because I think it had to happen for Sophie to mature and realize where her heart truly is. Yeah. And... I'm excited to have two full books for the end of the arc where she falls in love with Keith, finally. Right. Uh, Oh, I'm so... I just... I love this part of romance in books. The final two books. It's always... uh, Middle grade, it's always so cute. It, It just... Every middle grade I've ever read. The final two books with the main love story, it's always so freaking cute and i can pinpoint my favorite moments throw all the books with of the final two books with my favorite romances it's uh i just i can't wait to see it i hope it lives up to my expectations me too and i have a feeling it will because shannon messenger is totally on board yeah i mean you can tell she is in the way she set it up i don't know how you argue there's no way she yeah i don't know how you could argue either it's so clearly so Keith. So I've never seen a I have, but I've also never seen a love triangle. <laughs> Don't let me get ahead of myself, but you know what I'm saying. Like this is so clearly yes. set up. 
like this. That if it didn't happen, it would be one of the biggest rugs being pulled out from under me ever. There are a couple others that hurt more and that I was like, what more? But like this one, I would be flabbergasted. Yeah. No, it it just flat out wouldn't make narrative sense. Like, and I'll, I'll even say this, it would have less narrative precedent and make less sense than Katang. Katang at least yeah. had some buildup. It was at least somewhat hinted towards, especially on Aang's end. However, I yeah. would argue it really wasn't on Katara's end. It kind of came out of nowhere for her. And it's not well done. Obviously, we're huge Zutara shippers, but we showed the potential of Zutara. However, this was act like Fitzy was actively shut down. If it came in again at the end and, and Fitz swooped in, it just wouldn't, it would just be bad writing, full out. Like, Katang isn't great writing, but it's at least not actively subverting itself. This yeah. would be actively subverting itself. This is actively trying to throw your readers off in a way that I hate. Game of Thrones did it. Uh, the Hundred did it. Like, Ugh. I hate when you can't, when you don't like that your readers or your, your viewers know what's going to happen. So you just do the exact opposite thing just for shock value. It drives me up the wall. I can't stand it. You don't especially when writing a complex fantasy or mystery or but even a romance any kind of story you don't subvert and change your own story just because readers have predicted or guessed what's going to happen George R. R. Martin said it the best and then it happened in his own goddamn show after he left he said if you're writing a book and it saves a murder mystery and you've structured and written your book so the butler did it but in an earlier book in the series, some readers have guessed that the butler did it. You don't go back and rewrite your book so the chambermaid did it. You're throwing everything you've written out the no. window. You have to, it's a whole new story. If someone guesses it, you did your job. Especially if, uh, in this day and age, with mass media, with Twitter, with Tumblr, with fan theory groups, it is impossible almost, to have, to write a story, have the story become huge, and then not have people figure out what's gonna happen, because there's so many fandom theory sites, there's, like I said, Tumblr, Twitter, YouTube analysis, people are gonna come together and probably figure out a bit of what's gonna happen at the end of this, your story, so to then do, like, the exact opposite, just to subvert expectation, and to, like, throw everyone off, and to get rid of years of writing, oh, it's my biggest, I, uh, nothing will ever infuriate me more with shows, don't do it, just don't do it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great way to sum it up, just don't do it, the opposite of the Nike slogan, <laughs> just do it. It's just don't do it. Just don't do it. Literally. And now I think it is time to talk about Mr. Fitzbacker, the second part of this equation. Because boy, do I have some words. I'm gonna preface this, preface this with we don't hate Fitz because Katie's about to go off. And so before everyone's like, you obviously hate Fitz. I at least do not. <laughs> no, honestly, in all seriousness, I'm exhausted right now from a long day of classes. It was my second day of classes here at in the UK. I'm going to try and keep it fairly calm, like genuinely. Okay. However, I, I, I don't want another quotable yelling incident because I don't hate Fitz. I just yeah. hate him with Sophie. Yes. Because they're... <laughs> Their, how do I put this? Goodness. Their the, worst traits conflict with one another in the worst way, romantically speaking. Fitz constantly takes his anger out on Sophie. He constantly takes his jealousy out on Sophie. And Sophie's inability to... Communicate. Communicate. She yes, hasn't... Communicate. She can't communicate with him. No. And the communication part is on Sophie's end. The yes. jealousy part, 
and the anger part is on Fitz's end. So these two things are clashing together, getting in the way of this relationship. And Sophie, from the beginning, is not comfortable with it. She denies that she's Fitz's girlfriend throughout most of the eighth book. She only uses it... Okay, I do stand corrected. At one point in a previous episode, I said she never calls him her, her boyfriend. That is incorrect. She does refer to him as her boyfriend a few times. But it is a small handful. I can count it on one hand. I think it's two. I tried to count while I was reading, and I believe it's twice. And she's uncomfortable and when talking about it. She only does it... Yeah, she's so uncomfortable. She... While she's so comfortable talking about her relationship and closeness with Keith, and she only uses the term after she feels, frankly, pressured into it by everyone else using it. Like, she, from the beginning, is not comfortable with this relationship, with this development in their relationship. She doesn't know what to do with it. She's not ready. Because it's just not right. They don't work. Like you said, the jealousy and the miscommunication, I can't even fully blame Fitz for his jealousy, especially book eight, because to Fitz, like, okay, I've asked her to be my girlfriend. We're girlfriend and boyfriend. And then Sophie, like, completely shuts down communication with him, goes to start hanging out with Keith all the time. And yes, Sophie should be able to hang out with her guy friends. Like, it's not a girl's fault if she has guy friends and then, like, hangs out with them while she still has a boyfriend. But in this case... However, however, if it's at the expense of neglecting your boyfriend, that is an issue. And that is exactly Exactly. what she does. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, she shuts down every form of communication with Fitz, basically. Starts, like almost avoiding him because she's uncomfortable and so yes if you're uncomfortable with someone or what you are to them um yes you can avoid them a little bit but you have to if this is your boyfriend who you've now like said is your boyfriend you need to have a conversation you absolutely cannot run off with your other guy best friend who also is in love with you hang out with them the entire time and then not expect your boyfriend to get miffed about it in this situation Fitz's jealousy is warranted like because she shuts down all levels of communication it's one of the yes. only times his jealousy and anger is warranted because his girlfriend, like, blacklists him and goes and hangs out with a guy that Fitz knows is also in love with Sophie. And that's why I love when Roe calls her out about it in that quote that I quoted the other yeah. episode, the previous episode, because Sophie needs a rude awakening about relationships in that moment. And they're She all- doesn't know how to be a girlfriend (laughs) you know she doesn't know how to manage all this and she finally comes to that realization at the end of book eight where she asks Fitz to only be friends she She comes to that realization she has too much on her plate right now for a boyfriend even if she got with Keith in in literally legacy it would still feel she has way too much on her plate. She should not be in a romantic relationship right now with Keith or Fitz. It will have to be once everything has calmed down a little bit, which is why she and Keith probably will not get together, like we said, until book 10. Even if they kiss in book 9, which I am hoping happens, because I think I just love the trope. I think it's so cute. But, but... Even if that happens, they're still probably most likely not going to be getting into a relationship until at least the last quarter of the 10th book. It might not be right at the end, but it's not going to be in the beginning, I don't think. Right, right. And that's when they'll finally have a conversation maybe about their kiss in book 9 or earlier book 10, whenever it happens. And they'll discuss their feelings and it'll finally come to be and it'll be glorious yes uh, can we also discuss because i want to talk about the freaking matchmaking because oh my gosh (laughs) if that does not show the difference between fitz and keith and how they care about sophie i don't know what does because fitz's crush is conditional yeah on 
being able to fit in in society and have his perfect match with yeah. the Moonlark. And Sophie is a prize to him in some ways in that regard. Kind of like how his father views Sophie as a prize for him. That's what I was gonna say! Alden! Yep! Our favorite character, Alden! Yep! Exactly! So, Sophie, meanwhile, still hasn't really made up her mind, and Keith is the only one who recognizes that, well, Keith and Ro, um, vocalize it, and, you know, respect Sophie's decision, but- Dex, to an extent- yeah, Dex, um, and her parents, obviously, mm-hmm. Grady and Edeline and stuff. However, <laughs> Fitz saying, well, why wouldn't you want to find your biological parents? Could possibly be the worst thing that he could have said in that moment instead of, I don't care if you're unmatchable. Because that just goes to show that this is entirely conditional to him. Meanwhile, Keith is over here supporting her, telling her, no one who is worth your time cares if you're unmatchable. And he's basically saying, I don't, through those words. Yeah. The thing is, with Fitz here, like, it is okay to set standards for what you want in a relationship and conditions for what you want in a relationship. Like, that's fine. Like, Fitz wanting someone who wants the same things as him, that's totally fine. The thing is, Sophie isn't that person. So that's where it gets tricky because that's when you have to find someone else, basically. Because it is okay to set standards for yourself. It's okay for Fitz to want someone who who wants to live up to the Vacker legacy with him. It's okay for someone who wants to be a power couple for him to want that. But that is never going to be Sophie, which is when you have exactly. to realize these are these are different things. I need to find someone we, else. We have clashing life ideals and life goals here that mm-hmm. directly get in the way of a relationship. It's just not going to work. Because yeah. I agree. This has every right to not want to be in a bad match. It is a hard thing to go through in this world. Yeah. However, anyone who truly is in love with Sophie and wants to be with Sophie won't care. And that is what Keith is saying. Yeah. But anyone who does care, if that's important to them, which is totally understandable, they're not meant to be with Sophie. Right. That love shouldn't come with the condition of her exposing her biological parents. No, especially when it could lead to so many dangerous Catastrophic, outcomes. yeah. yeah. I mean, if Orly is, like, exposed as Sophie's mother, she gets kicked off the freaking council. And we need her on the council. She's one of the we only one who ever her. makes sense. She and as mad it. as she is, still as mad as she is, Sophie recognizes that yeah. and respects it. And she tells Fitz, <clears throat> I can't reveal what I've learned. No. And she's mad about it because obviously you would want to be able to talk about who your biological mother is and so that's why she's mad about it too is because she knows she can never expose this when she probably really would want to because she knows it would have catastrophic repercussions in their world and but she's still smart enough to know she just can't do it yeah no sophie is very politically savvy like and she's that is very mature that we about it and she's very mature about it. She's very intelligent. She knows deep down, even when, because Sophie is a head girl. Yeah. She's, and not just in the sense that she's a telepath. She's very head driven. She thinks logically. She has a hard time with the heart. Mm-hmm. But for her, the head will always win out. And that's why Keith and her are such a good balance. I was going to say, that's where Keith comes in. And that's where our podcast name comes in, Head and Heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's where it comes from, literally, the telepath and the empath. That's why they're such a good duo. That's why they're such a good that's why they're so compatible. Those are the best head and the heart pairings. So many of my ships are head and the heart pairings. One is more logical, the other one is an emotional, like ball of nerves type thing, like Balark, Bellamy. They this is where they coined head and heart in TV shows. Bellamy is the heart. Clark is the head. Uh, Kaz and Inej. Kaz is obviously the head. Inej is yep. very heart-driven. 
Persebeth, Annabeth, Head, Percy, Heart. So heart. many of the best pairings that I have are Head and the Heart. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And same. Like, I would even argue, like, Hickstrid, Ten Rose. I mean, like, yeah. Well, ironically, the Doctor is the head-driven one. <laughs> doctor is the head-driven one when he has two hearts. <laughs> he literally has two hearts, but he's the head-driven one. Um, and Rose just has such a big heart, and she's the heart-driven one. Hickstrid, Hiccup is the heart. Astrid is the head. She's very methodical. She's very logical. She's good at warfare. She's and this isn't fashion. to say the heart isn't smart. Hickstrid is a very... No. Uh, Hiccup is a very smart character, but... It's about finding the balance. Yeah, Hiccup is incredibly intelligent. He's a inventor. He is a strategist as well. I mean, cartographer. It's about the driving force behind your actions and which one wins out. And you need to find someone who balances you out in life. Yes, and helps you find that equilibrium. Yes, I would say like I'm very hard. I'm head. I yeah, that's where I was going. I'm head driven. You're heart driven. That's why our friendship works so well. <laughs> yeah, that's why our friendship works, literally. Uh, so is Lexi's also head, to be honest. She is, yeah. Like, <laughs> so, and so is Sandy. Like, all my friends are very head-driven. <laughs> and all my friends, Abby's heart-driven. Like, this is cool. Uh, now I'm thinking yeah. about it all. Abby's very heart-driven. Yeah, literally. I can see that with her from, I don't know her too well, but from the yeah. interactions I've had with her before I moved yeah so like it's just what works and it's so obvious to me I don't get how there's still Fitzby shippers out there it was actively shut down like what more do you want what more obvious signals do you need to have this spelled out for you do you want to start because now we're starting to compare do you want to start comparing contrasting the boys traits and what makes each of them, you know, one better than Sophie overall because of their traits and who they are? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Who do we want to start with? Let's start with Dex again. Well, let's... Okay, so Dex comparatively with Keith and Fitz, he's like cute spastic and he's there for Sophie, but she never fully lets her guard down around Dex, I feel. Because, because of his crush. And he's a little immature. Like, yeah. he's a little bit less mature than the other two boys. Because he's a little younger. Yeah. And so Sophie doesn't come to him with, like, her huge, like, life-changing thing. She goes to mostly Keith, but sometimes fits. And she's always going to kind of be trying to protect Dex, I feel like. Like, she's all... Because of his levels of maturity and he's the same age as Sophie like I feel like she's always gonna kind of be trying to protect Dex in like an overprotective sibling type way where she doesn't yeah. really have that issue too too much with Keith and Fitz like yeah she still tries to protect them and she's annoying about it sometimes but like with Dex like I feel like it's a more of an overprotective big sibling energy type thing whereas with Keith and Fitz it's more like oh I don't want to let them do this because like They'll have to blah, blah, blah. They're being put in danger, that sort of thing. Yeah, and another big hint towards their relationship <clears throat> is that they're literally adoptive family. <laughs> like, Shannon Messenger did that on purpose before shutting it down promptly. Like, let's be perfectly clear. That was absolutely intentionally done. And they even discuss it. And Dex is like, do you really think of me as cousin Dex? And Sophie's like... Yes, actually. <laughs> you know, she so she her, thinks she of him more. She the nature of that relationship. She thinks of him more as a cousin than she does as a boyfriend. Like, I don't think she truly yeah. thinks of Dex as, like, a cousin relationship, but more so that than a crush relationship. They're almost closer than most cousins. They're, it's almost more like siblings, to be perfectly honest. Like a little sibling. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And Dex, he's the innocent one. He's the safe one he's always going to care about Sophie you know but that's exactly why he's not right for her in a weird way he and even feels Brady and Edeline recognize that like as parents they want her to go with Dex at first 
because they see him as the safe choice that isn't going to break Sophie's heart. Right. But he's a warm sunshine ball and he's innocent. Yeah. Like he is. Like compare him to Keith and Fitz. He feels very innocent for some reason. Right. Right. Well, he's younger. But also, yeah. he has. It's just his He's character. gone through his own sort of, you know, trauma and life struggles though that the others can't recognize especially Fitz being a privileged backer yeah coming from a bad match family and everything so he's very mature about his societal views and he recognizes the wrongs of the elf world and everything Mm -hmm. in ways that the others don't maybe Keith does with his family situation but definitely not Fitz who wants to conform yeah and Dex just he is like you said he's the sunshine child he's the wildin <laughs> you know yeah not he really is they're both ginger you know um I love my ginger boys what can I say <laughs> you know they're some of my favorite characters and Dex is one of my favorite characters like I mm-hmm. adored I adore the kid um and I am 22 so I'm gonna call him a kid so you know it's very much like the child love that you have to get over and in some ways I don't know like Dex is behind her in maturity romantically which is why he gets all excited with this like puppy love type thing yeah and that's also why like they're not on the same maturity level romantically speaking because Sophie's a bit older than him and boys tend to mature slower, which we've yeah. talked about extensively on the Zutara podcast. Yeah. Um, if you've missed that, if you're a Zutara fan, go check it out. We talk extensively about the age gap dynamics between Katara and Aang versus Katara and Zuko. You know, it it's that kind of a situation again with Katara and Aang. It just, the boy is more immature and it doesn't work. And Dex is more, he is like the heart if we're doing the head-heart scenario here, too. He is the heart, but it's to an even more, like, like naive extent than Keith. Like, Keith is very yeah. aware of his emotions. He's very aware of how to control his emotions. Um, whereas Dex is, like, it, it, he is. He's a little bit more naive when it comes to his own emotions, but he also lets those drive him. So it's another difference where, like, it's there, but it's not at the same level of of depth as, like, Keith and Sophie's, you know? Right. Shall we move on to another boy? <laughs> <laughs> Which one? There's so many. I know. There's Miss so Sophie many. Sophie is quite a little heartbreaker. <laughs> Let's talk about Tam. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tam because he never has any interest in her. It's great. It's that's it's why just I'm not part of the it. dynamic. They're just besties. Like I've we said talked it about before. This. That's why yeah. Tam is Sophie's best guy friend actually even more, like yeah. truest truest guy friend because he never has a secret agenda with sophie so nope but and i um, love it yeah it's amazing i uh, and they click they just click so well they click so well they're two heads that just click completely it's great but um yeah fitz's differences i think We've already gone over the possessiveness, the anger, the jealousy, but it's also like Fitz, interestingly enough, I think is the most head character out of those three boys, but it's in a weird way where it just feels like they should be friends. Yeah. No, it's the head and the head working together Mm -hmm. as a, I mean... I don't want to say Sherlock and Watson because they're a, a head and heart friendship duo. Watson's the heart, Holmes is the head, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, a power friendship duo is mm-hmm. what it feels like. It's a more business-like, almost. Yeah. Like, it's drier. It's more stale. It's more, because it's so expected by society. Yeah, exactly. And we've already talked at length about the whole cognate thing, which I just can't. Oh my gosh, we'll do a whole episode on cognates and how bad it would be for a romantic couple to It'll be It'll just them. be a rant. You guys can skip that episode. It'll just be a 20-30 minute rant about cognates, honestly. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh my goodness. But yeah, yeah, that'll no, be a fun day. And even though Fitz is mature, like it's not in the same way that Sophie's mature and it's it just 
it doesn't feel none of none of Fitz's like qualities matches because Fitz is intellectually mature but not emotionally mature yes that's the difference Sophie needs someone who is emotionally mature and that is Keith that's why she needs the heart I know you guys might some of you might be sitting here and be like Keith mature like emotionally mature he goes out and does his own stuff all the time because he can't handle his emotions i would defend his decision at the end of unlocked until my dying days yes it's the smartest most mature thing he could have done in that moment he has no idea how this is about to be used against him or society he's terrified about what this could mean and his mother's been using him for years at this point to achieve her own gains he just wants to get away from her literally instead of staying there and just becoming a tool to be used in different schemes and plots no i'm yeah 100 percent. always will defend this decision yeah and deep down sophie knows it was right too even though she's like i'm gonna go after him because that's a very sophie thing to do she's all about team friendship all about you know friends first you know which is another reason why i think sophie has a hard time with romance and recognizing romance versus friendship because she had such a lack of friendship in the human world and then she's hit with this onslaught of all these new friends that she loves yeah she has a hard time differentiating differentiating yes but again, with the Keith thing of, like, uh, people maybe arguing that he does reckless things because of his emotions, so how could his emotions be, like, mature, like, intelligent emotions-wise? And he just, go back to any of his conversations with Sophie about her fears, what, like, her worries about things. He's so good at handling it. He's so good at knowing when to pick people up, when to be there for different people, if any, he hurts himself with his emotions, and that's about it. He tries to do everything to help everyone else with their emotions all the time, and he does it in such wise ways. He's so emotionally intelligent. Yeah, he is incredibly, incredibly selfless. Whereas Fitz is, frankly, incredibly selfish. Yeah. Obsessed with himself and what he wants for his own life and not taking into consideration others. Now, being too selfless is arguably one of Keith's faults still. Because there is such thing as, you know, do what's good for you or you're no good for anyone else. You can't be too selfless. You have to look out for yourself sometimes. Mm -hmm. However, in classic INFJ here, that is a problem that I can relate to. Looking after others and not looking after myself. Used to be my problem, but I got very good at <laughs> I got very good at uh, figuring out how to put put blocks up so that I didn't become I have to do everything for everyone all the time. Yeah, it's a constant like being neurodivergent is a constant fight between being incredibly selfless and incredibly selfish. Yeah, like it's hard. <laughs> yeah, trying to just yeah. But that's a whole other conversation that, yeah. So, oh, goodness. Like, I'm trying to think of the words to summarize, like, the core. But I can't think of anything besides head versus heart that summarizes the core difference between Keith and Fifth, especially. Like, Dex is, you know, just on the side. He's a friend, like, very clearly so. He's out of the way. But and the core difference like, between the two genuine love interests, how, like, what it distills down to is head versus heart and how they contrast one another in the dynamic. Yes, absolutely. And uh, Dax's friendship with Sophie is about ten times stronger after they get through their awkward kiss. Fitz and oh, Sophie, yes. I think, will be stronger after this, after a little bit of a butthurt Fitz, maybe. And then it gives all the leeway for Sophie and Keith. So I'm very excited to see how this goes. I am going to be happy either way because I want to see Fitz and Sophie be a power duo and form a stronger friendship and recognize the nature of their feelings but mm-hmm. i'm also not against the evil fitz arc nope and it I've would obviously be it. 
So, yeah, neither of us have been. So I think I'm going to be pretty satisfied either direction Shannon Messenger chooses to take this. Yeah. But I think for today, that's all we have, guys. It's over an hour, so. Yeah, no, we've been recording for a long time. So, yeah, unless you have anything, Katie, I think we've got most of it out there. Definitely. I think we covered everything. I mean, it feels like we could still go so much deeper. But, yeah. you know, like, reread the series with that in mind and, like, take notes and really delve into this specifically. However, I think we got the meat of it all. We got, you know, yeah. we were missing the seasoning, if we're going to go with that metaphor. But some of the salt. But, you know, we're, we've covered the basics. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's good for today. Thank you so much for listening to our love triangle episode are you gonna do bloopers <laughs> at maybe the end? we have some funny bloopers this time around so i might do bloopers at the end depends on how long it takes me to edit yeah <laughs> uh, i just had the uh, love triangle song from crazy ex-girlfriend in my head don't sing it i don't need it in mine <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna sing it that would be horrifying but yeah okay guys all right thank you so much for listening and without further ado happy so keep shipping happy so keep shipping bye guys i don't know why i said that like that bye